Welcome back to the Project 24 YouTube podcast. This is episode 32. Well, I am not Nate. I am so sorry. <laughs> I am Anna, and that's who you get today, along with Ricky and Nathan. So hopefully the three of us can make up for Nate today. Right. <laughs> but we, we have an awesome episode for you here today. We love talking YouTube, so we're happy to be here while he's spending some time with his family. But let's get to some questions from the community. The first one is from Amy Johnson Crow, and she says, Should I include major vendors, companies in my industry audit? People in my niche area of interest are very familiar with them, one in particular, and use them regularly. However, their videos are, as you might expect, very news-oriented with their latest release and features. They also have some videos that are more general human interest stories. I can make the case either way for including them in the audit. Any suggestions? Thank you. My short answer is like, yes. If they're, I mean, if they're well-known, if they, the channels even have some videos that perform well, I think include them in the industry audit, but I, I might also kind of make a note like this isn't the same type of channel I'm building, but but because some of the content buckets are maybe going to be the same, you know, your archetype, it's probably going to be pretty different from theirs. You know, your channel will be different, but I think mm. because the topics overlap so much, um, even in some cases, maybe some of the types of videos they made, you'd make very similar types of videos. I, I might... I, well, I would still include them in the industry audit. I, I think it would be a mistake to pretend they don't exist or that they're not part of the, I'll use the word competition. I'm using air quotes because <laughs> other channels are often not competition. Um, people will watch both. <laughs> uh, I, I'm finding that more and more lately that, man, there's a lot of value in, this is a totally different topic, but there's a lot of value in collaborating more yeah. rather than viewing everybody else's yep. competition. So but anyway, since they're part of that circle of, you know, of that type of content, that industry, I would absolutely include them in the industry audit, but just, just make a note, like they're a different type of channel, probably a different archetype, but I think any other channel you find is going to have a slightly different mm -hmm. mix than yours. So yeah, yeah, I'd include them. Yeah, I would totally agree. I think that's really part of the whole value of the industry audit. You're just looking to see who is there because I think every channel will uh, have some something different for you to learn or understand about the industry or about uh, that that specific niche on YouTube. So you might find out that you, there are some uh, types of videos that perform very well uh, that you would just have never thought of doing before or topics Good or point. that sort of thing. So anyway, yeah, I would I would totally agree. And I would agree as well. If they're providing uh, that audience, you know, value and um, information uh, to questions they're, they're looking for answers for, then you should definitely take that into consideration, even if it is a different archetype and they're delivering it in a different way. Still take note of that. Yeah. All right. Next question is from S. Dixon. And they say, I have been consistently producing videos on my YouTube channel for four plus years with no intentions of slowing down anytime soon. I would like to either hire a a contractor or partner with a company or service to repurpose, replicate my same videos with a, a Spanish voiceover. Any feedback is welcomed, but specifically here is what I am thinking about and need some help with. One, contractor or company. Should I work closely with a contractor to get things just right with a bit more work on my side, or should I partner with a company like Unilingo? Two, any issues publishing the exact video and the audio swapped out, English out, Spanish in, on a different channel? And three, is this worth my focus? 
context. The niche is DIY home repair. YouTube views 4 million plus per month. Well, I have thoughts on all this. Yeah, there's kind of a lot kind of a lot to unpack here, but I think that uh, it's a good question. Um, so first, I guess kind of the first piece of this question is um, contract or company. That was kind of the first thing that yeah. was brought up here. Um, and maybe even before that, really to address the question, is it worth the focus? Maybe that's the, the better question. They're kind of backwards like, here. <laughs> let's and work so, back. yeah, I think maybe to work backwards would probably make a little more sense. Is it worth the focus? I think it could be. Um, I would I would say probably you would want to do some research to see if there are other types of channels like this, other types of content like this, uh, because not to say that if there isn't any that it's not worth doing, but if there is something out there already like this, it's kind of a good indicator of potential success. Right. And then you can also see it's sort of like, you know, how many views do they get, that right. sort of stuff. Right. Um, where I would be concerned with like reusing the same footage, um, which this kind of goes back to the second question partially as well. Um, and that is, you know, at least, you know, here in the U S we build houses a certain way, right? It's actually pretty different from how houses are built in Europe yeah. and Latin America yeah. and South America. Um, having, you know, been around in a lot of different places, I'm finding like we build houses out of sticks and drywall, you know, like gypsum board drywall, mm -hmm. you know, um, other people build houses out of like actual stone or uh, other things. Right. Um, <laughs> and so it's anyway, there's enough differences that if I filmed a house or if I filmed a channel like this in a very like American style house and translated to Spanish, that'd be great for the Spanish speaking people living in the U S but not that great for basically anybody else. So what is the added audience that I'm getting? It, it may, it might be fairly small. So depending on the types of home repairs you're making and the audience you're going for, it may or may not actually add to your audience very much. So I would think about that. So, so knowing the topic, the niche isn't quite enough. Um, the other concern I would have is, if, are these videos like the, their voice over? Like you're showing something, but it's not your face talking. I would not want to like Spanish dub yeah. um, a video. Mm. I think that would look silly on YouTube. Um, unless you're going for kind of an, a, a humor element as well. <laughs> I just think, I just think it would be better to remake the videos. And if that is way too big of a project, then, then I wouldn't do it. Like if you, if you don't have the time or you can't get somebody on board who can make the same type of videos, but out of a house that's made in a more Latin American <laughs> right. um, materials and style and location you know, mm -hmm. granted, if you do have like a friend or family member who lives in a Latin American country and speaks Spanish and like that could be a fun project for that them to literally cool. like take every video you've made and make their Latin American version of it. Right. That could be cool, too. But again, you say you've been making lots of videos for a long time and you're not slowing down. This might be just a distraction. Something. If, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say kind of to that point that you just made, Ricky, that. Um, I, kind of with the first question we talked about cleared up, like, is it worth it? Okay, well, let's say it is for, let's just kind of yeah, play this out. Let's it say it, uh, we'll assume it is. Okay, well, we would probably not recommend dubbing over. You probably yeah. want to mm -hmm. recreate, but maybe you could just give it a try and not go all in, like, right. a thousand percent. Like, if you have 500 videos, maybe just start with, like, 20 of your top videos yeah. and just see if something like this could work because you might find out that, the process is 
easier, harder, more difficult, more complex, maybe less complex. Maybe you just find out little things along the way that um, can either improve things down the road or make it so you kind of have an idea if this is something you actually want to pursue. And if you kind of choose topics that are, um, I guess, just chosen in a way that are kind of strategic, yeah, you can make the most out of the work that you do actually put into this project. Yeah, maybe take your top performing videos or those that, you know, you think would perform the best right, with right. the Spanish-speaking audience. Start with 20 of them or whatever. Um, and so then back to the first question. Yeah. Um, to me, it kind of depends on the process you set up. So, like, going back to 400 videos, I'm guessing you don't necessarily have, the like, the library that you use when you create the video, um, the all the edit tracks mm-hmm. and everything still. You mm-hmm. might not still have all that. If you do, and it's as easy as swapping out the voice audio, but leaving in any other audio, Mm -hmm. leaving in everything else, well, then, like, cool, hire a high school kid to do that work. Um, Pay someone who speaks Spanish to read a script, and just the toughest part will just be making sure they get the pacing right. But, like, read the script. Let the editor worry about kind of the pacing, right? They could cut the audio up and put it where it goes in the video, then this could be done really cheap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could imagine like take the transcript that you got that you can get from YouTube, transcribe the video. Um, then, you know, you could pay someone who does whatever you could pay one person to translate it. If you want mm-hmm. to You could translate it yourself, you could pay somebody else. That's a voice actor. Somebody you find on Fiverr that you just pick up for repeat work or maybe give them five or 10 to start with. They're not going to charge you very much. You're going to get these audio files. You're going to pay some high school kid to put them together for you. There's almost no time for you involved. That's going to be cheap and easy. If this is something you're going to do repeatedly, I think you could take that process and build upon it. If instead what we have to do is silence the video, take all the audio off because we're using a finished video file, then now all we have is voiceover. So now we might want some background audio. Right. Well, now getting a little more involved i might go with someone who's got the setup i might go with like a unilingo or something as long as it's not cost prohibitive i so i think they both have have merit i think if i were to do this going forward i would just do it in-house you know a contractor or whatever you know however your video editing is being done they're just gonna export two versions one with the audio track you made one with the spanish audio track you got from someone that you met on fiverr yeah Mm -hmm. Or Upwork or wherever yeah. you want to go. Yeah, I think it's a cool idea. Yeah. I think kind of depending on the difficulty of the process, the cost, that sort of thing, that can all yeah. play a part into whether this project is worth it, uh, aside from the audience, which is obviously the most important. One thing that um, I would definitely make sure to do, though, I would create a second channel. Yes. I wouldn't put mm-hmm. these videos on the same channel. Yep. You can call it the same thing, use the same branding, but just the name is now in Spanish, you know? Mm-hmm. Or if it's a branded name that isn't like a word that translates then whatever call it the same thing and then dash espanol like whatever you're going to do um delineate it it's a separate channel even though the brand is the same um definitely do that i think it would be a mistake to put them on the same channel yeah so many things i could see going wrong there (laughs) (laughs) just it's a different audience most likely um you're not gonna have a lot of crossover with the english and spanish you know especially if you're making the same video right yeah and especially if you're catering toward um people in other countries like you were talking about earlier ricky um they're 
they're not going to want to watch your other videos from more of a for more of an American based um, audience because it's not going to pertain to them as right. much. So, all right, good discussion there. Next question from freelance MVP, and they say, "I'm worried that I'm focusing on only putting out what I think is high quality videos. I think it's stopping me from getting more of the volume that I understand is important for growth on YouTube and is clearly built into the DNA of Project Twenty Four. They do have some stats here uh, about their channel, but uh, we will, to keep it short, we'll keep going and we can bring it up in a little bit if we want. But uh, the way I see it, YouTube is working. It's just early days. However, my core business keeps me very busy and my core income suffers significantly when I dedicate more time to the channel. Am I spending too much time trying to weave together the perfect script that is going to question mark. Am I going to, uh, too much time micro cutting the videos? Am I spending too much time doing that? Should I just relax, record a whole batch of 10 pretty good videos off of bullets and just send it? Or should I be afraid of uploading crap videos? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I think it's fair. I mean, when you look at this and you say, you know, I think YouTube is working in its early days. Um, you mentioned the stats, but like you're six months in, You've got 12 videos, two shorts, and 10 live streams. Um, by the way, those live streams were probably not micro cut right. and um, probably not like scripted. So um, depending on how they did, that gives you a little bit of an indicator there. Live streams never really spread as far right. afterwards anyway. But in that amount of time and with that amount of work, you have 19,000 subscribers. You're monetized. You're over $500 a month on YouTube ads and about 1000 a month in course sales. Um and someone with about 300,000 subs reached out mm -hmm. to give you, to re-record some of your already produced YouTube content for their paid course. So that's cool. And wow. to do a collab with them. Like, these are all good things. I think it's not just, oh, it's working in its early days. I think you're killing yeah, it. Yeah, actually. I think this is actually um, <laughs> a, like far and above what most people will do. It's a yeah. success story yeah. as far as yeah. I'm yeah. concerned. So what you're doing is working really well. And yeah. so the question then is, do is it worth it to consider the trade-off like speed up the the time you know get the volume out there mm -hmm. but maybe have the quality suffer um i have okay i have kind of two thoughts on this so i think i'm gonna let you talk first Nathan. okay yeah <laughs> yeah i have a couple ideas here um well first off great job i think that so far it seems like there's some great success on this channel and my thoughts about speeding up um, your production or and maybe the effect that has on the quality, I think that there's some testing that just needs to be done. I don't think that right off the bat we could really give a, a great answer that would just be kind of the end-all be-all. I think that there's a good chance that you could cut down the amount of time you spend on the videos, whether it's in the planning or the producing or the editing. There's probably some time you could cut there without harming the audience experience. Um, that's just a guess. I know that in all of our processes, the daily process that I work through cr uh, creatively, there are usually things that I could cut out um, that wouldn't make too big of a difference. There are, uh, that being said, there are probably some things that the audience really likes about your channel. Um, and though there are probably some things that you don't want to cut out. Now, what are those things? I think that's the big yeah. question. Um, you kind of have to test. You're going to have to kind of decide, you know, how, how, what percentage, if you're at a hundred percent now per video, what could I back that off to? Is it 90%? Is it 80%? Uh, 
Um, what could you back that off to and then fill the, rema- the remaining percentage with uh, with new video? So if you could back off a video to 75% and then you have another 25% to create, you know, that puts you automatically ahead by 25%. And so you just have to kind of test and see. Maybe you could do potentially less cuts in the video. Uh, maybe rather than fully scripting out a video, maybe bullet points aren't a bad idea. Um, it just depends. Yeah. And so I would say um, find some of those things that you think you could potentially cut that would be easy for you to cut, um, but where the end product doesn't look that much different. I So that basically echoes a lot of what I what I think. Um, most of the time, especially when we're putting a lot into what we're creating, we could probably get 80% of the way there with like, well, it's the 80-20 rule, like with 20% of the work. Yeah. Um, but maybe 80% is not good enough. Yeah. But maybe we get 90% of the way there with 60% of the work. Well, now we have, we could make almost twice as many right. videos. Right. Um, and so I think that's where it is. And as somebody who doesn't, um, you know, I, I'm not a person who sits down in front of a camera and I can give you a 10 minute video with no cuts, yeah. no, you know, like that's not, that's not what I do. You will though get better with practice. You will get to the point where maybe you cut it up, but maybe you don't do as many retakes. So like one of the things that slows me down a lot in editing is, you know, if I am like, Oh, I don't like how I said that. So I say it again and then I say it again and I've said it four times now. And then I move on. Well, okay, that took me four times as long to record. Right. And in the edit, I might edit the wrong, I might cut out the wrong one and then realize <laughs> later. Um, by the way, like I went through a phase where I was really working on this with solo videos. And I got to where I started editing my videos backwards mm-hmm. because the last take on anything I said was usually the one I decided was good enough. Yeah. So I would cut, I would take that and then I would, and then I would, I would use the little, um, uh, the waveform on the audio track to see like where I paused. Yeah. Then I'd go back to the beginning of another segment and I'd hit play and it's like, Oh, nope. That's something I already got later. Boom. I cut out everything in between. Mm-hmm. And that saved me so much time because I wasn't, you know, chopping up and fixing up this little spot and then figuring out, Oh, oh dang it, that's the wrong. There one. was another day. <laughs> so anyway, there's little tricks like that you can figure out um, that'll speed things up but where the end product looks the same. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of little tips and tricks you could use to speed up, but in the end, the more video you make, the more practice you're going to get, the better you're going to get at it, the faster it's going to go. And you can't do that if you only only film, you know, half as many videos as you should be or whatever. Right. So I think there's a lot of value in at least recording more and trying. Yeah. And then I guess we'll see where we go. This is a hard trade-off, right? Because... The other thing you say here is that you want to transition to YouTube plus paid courses as your model because right now your core business is trading hours for work. The core business is holding you back from right. YouTube. Right. So it's like, uh, as Dave Ramsey says, we got to get the, the boat a little closer to the dock probably mm-hmm. before you're ready to drop the main business model. But like if there's something you can do, if we can cut out that 10% optimization so that we can make twice as many videos... Um, and that can get that boat closer to the dock faster, then you can move toward that lifestyle you want and have an epic YouTube channel sooner. So anyway, I think it's worth a test. Yeah, I'd start testing if I, I try it out. 
Yeah. Yep. There's something to be said about um, more volume, obviously, Mm -hmm. if you can do it in a quality way. But there's something to be said. Uh, YouTube seems to favor channels that have more videos. Yeah, there's like a momentum. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a momentum type thing. Plus, you're getting better, even though you seem to be doing really well already. Yeah, I'd say you're doing awesome. there's always room for improvement for everybody, right? Yep. Um, And you just get more practice on camera and with your production. Absolutely. I think the one concern I would have is... If you've gotten your audience used to a certain level of production, yes, and you always see everything the right way, then if you were to dramatically step yeah. that back, yeah. the edits are not nearly as you know refined and clean, and um, your the way you speak is way more rough because you only did bullet points. If it's super noticeable, yeah. that could be a problem. Yeah, yeah. If but it's I, a drastic difference. I don't know. Sure. I'd try some bullets. Like try yeah. some bullet points. Say it once. Say it a second time a different mm-hmm. way. It kind of depends on you. you. Best. It's yeah. not really about the you know the bullet points or the script or not the script. Right. It's really about how comfortable you are and uh-huh. how close you can get it to the the hundred percent feeling, even or just by doing less work. Um, I I, th- I think that's a great idea though, Rick. I think that just give it a try, see what it feels yeah. like, compare it to some of your old videos, um, and it, if it yeah. doesn't feel too different. It's probably going to be okay because you got to remember. Probably, if you got nineteen thousand subscribers from this few videos, people are there for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they probably love the content, well. but there's something you're doing well, and so yeah. you kind of have to identify what that is. Give them that, and then probably a lot of the other stuff that maybe you think matters, and maybe it does to some extent. You can probably get rid of some of that stuff. I would also say learn how to record video off of bullet points. Yeah, that's a skill you're going to want to have. I. You're not going to want to have to script every video you make. I think because that's then if I you get off track, it's hard to get back on track. And <laughs> yeah. You fumble more and then you're like, wait, where was I? It's not as easy as just looking at a bullet point and like right. getting right back on it. Right. Exactly. All righty. And it also just leaves more room for impromptu personality totally. type stuff. Yeah. That's so. a great point. That's a good point. Like, Anna. oh, if I'm teaching a course, yeah, script it out maybe a bit more. But like for a video, we probably do want that... Yeah. Unless our archetype is like very informational. Yeah. I think we're going to want some personality. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing you let personality through. Otherwise, you wouldn't have that many subscribers. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Something I learned in, in the news, actually, I uh, started and I started scripting out all, I mean, everything that I said on camera was scripted and I literally memorized it. And it was so much more work than I <laughs> needed to do because once I was just told by somebody, hey, just bullet just make bullet points. Yeah. <laughs> it was so much easier because yep. you just glance down and you don't have to be married to a script. You see the word and it triggers your brain and then you roll with it because yep. you already know the information. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. Great question there. So last question, which leads into our discussion today is from Fawn, our very active member here in project 24. Uh, hello Fawn. She says, I've been building a website for less than a year with over 250 articles right now and starting to pick up. Felt like the right time to add YouTube. Uh, she says, my niche is YMYL, highly competitive. The industry itself is almost double digits in the billions in the US yearly. I frequently find terms with full trends data when doing search analysis. But when I go to do the industry audit, I can't find anything. Okay, there are some, but the videos that make it big are channels that aren't exclusively covering my niche. These videos tend to be much more popular than the standard fare on their channel. 
When I search for highly competitive topics on YouTube that are classified as too competitive on my blogging search analysis, there is literally nothing that comes up on YouTube. Even clicking on the video option in Google search comes up with nothing. Obviously, this is going to make drafting difficult. So here are some questions. One, is this a huge opportunity or a dead end? Two, might this be one of those 0.75 archetype exceptions, i.e. focus on search? And three, how do I do the industry audit and drafting? Or do I just skip it? <laughs> so, um, okay. One more thing she says here is that she does find some top videos that have hundred or that have millions of views, hundreds of thousands of views, um, and typically views greater than the number of subscribers. So why isn't anyone else doing anything like this? Um, I think people aren't doing anything like it because you're probably in an industry where it's, I'm guessing that a lot of the competition you're seeing is like from organizations. Yeah. You know, like if I were in a medical niche and WebMD is all over the place, well, WebMD isn't putting together a team to make YouTube videos. Right. Um, and so on YouTube, they're relying, you know, those topics are relying more on independent creators. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, to me, based on what you've said, this feels like an answer to question number one. Yeah. Huge opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not dead end. Might this be a 0.75 archetype exception? Not necessarily. I wouldn't create a channel that's only the search archetype um, for this. But I do think that you could make several videos that are very search focused that could potentially rank um, on Google search for this because they're so right. They're answering the question very clearly. Now um, it depends a little on each topic. Like if you search that topic, what's the best resource? Is it a video or is it an article? And that doesn't mean don't make the video, but it, it does mean that maybe YouTube's not, or not, or maybe Google's not going to put video, right? You know, prominently there on the search. But hey, on YouTube, I mean, it, it's going to work. You're going to get, you're going to get views, and obviously, it's working to some extent because there are some videos, and they're getting millions of views. Like that's a great sign. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. great. So basically, I'm all in on this. The question is, how do you do an industry audit? How do you draft? And I think you just you take these successful videos mm -hmm. and you do the best you can with that. If they're coming from independent creators that don't have very many um, subscribers or they're coming from big companies that don't have very many subscribers, I wouldn't necessarily draft their style right. their archetypes, yeah. but they're showing you that there are some topics here that a lot of people are watching videos about. There's just nobody really creating the right content. You found what I call a gap a huge mm -hmm. gap. Mm -hmm. uh, fill the gap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't really have too much to add there. I would just say, yeah, move forward with it. If you feel like you don't have a, a, a whole channel that you can kind of draft, do it video by video. Yeah. Kind of see what's working. Um, take ideas from these videos uh, as you go. And um, it sounds like there's some big opportunity here. You're probably going to have to be a bit of a pioneer here. Yep. Yeah. Like, yep. so take your style. What's your style on your blog? Like, you know, it's, it might be pretty informational, yeah. but like, you know, maybe, maybe add some personality to it, add some fun to it, add some connection to it. I think a lot of YMYL niches connection is going to be a, a, a really valuable piece yeah. for subscribability. Whereas, you know, you're probably not going to go entertainment in most YMYL niches, not too heavily, I would say. 
So for people really in the YouTube space that are like, what are they talking about? What's YMYL? Um, Google in particular uh, categorizes topics about your money and your life. Um, basically like life critical health kind of stuff and financial um, topics as kind of, uh, they have a distinction where they want to surface content that is likely to be accurate and that's pretty authoritative. And so in those niches, it can be hard as an independent creator, especially at first to, to compete, to actually get your articles to rank well, because you have to establish that you have authority, that you're authoritative on that yeah. subject. Um, on YouTube, that's not so much a thing. Um, it's, it's different. So yeah. it's the wild west. Yeah. You'll be a pioneer. <laughs> We get this question in uh, various ways a uh -huh. lot in the community and people are really worried like if they don't see a channel that's specifically just like the channel they uh, want to create, they get worried right. that the op opportunity is not there. But I think we worry more about the the numbers on the videos, um, on the topics you're looking at. Right. If you're just like looking in YouTube and the numbers are all low on the topics that you're wanting to make videos about, that's a problem. So if you're finding a channel that yeah. you are wanting to make a channel about and all of the topics that you are making, you're wanting to make videos about, the numbers are low. Like that right. just shows you that there's not really an uh -huh. audience there. If you were doing but, searches in YouTube and yeah. videos are coming up, but the views are all really low, yeah. then I'd be worried. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. That's for a potential. Yeah. <laughs> potential for yeah. worry. But yep. now I feel like we're just kind of, we're kind of piecing a channel together with all these different videos right. that we're drafting, but you're finding good potential for topics yep. to make videos I think about. so too. In this case, I think what we're doing is we're finding that this is a topic that's very underserved. Yeah. So really, and it's like every, every industry, there was a first, right? Yeah. And YouTube is not nearly as crowded as just the general internet. Yep. As, as much as YouTube mm -hmm. feels crowded and competitive, it's not. Coming from a blogging background, it's not at all. So like, um, if we're in a space that we find like, there's just not someone great to draft. It's like, okay, if there, if there's anyone out there with any level of success, let's at least try to find the elements of the specific videos yeah. that are succeeding, um, and kind of draft those, but be willing to just blaze the trail. Yep. Um, others will inevitably follow eventually, but like you got this. Yep. I think you're going to do awesome. So yeah. just, uh, and you might have to experiment more a little bit with archetypes. You might have to play around a little bit with, to figure out what works really well. You might find that like on this topic, people do want a little more information. They don't really care about your quirks and your whatever, <laughs> or you may find that, Oh, it's really refreshing to yeah. be able to hear from a normal person right. about yeah. this and not just from a doctor or a, you know, financial expert mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So you might have to experiment a little bit. Um, by the way, I have an established channel and I experiment all the time. Yeah. I'm playing around exactly. with like a little more informational. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nope. Now this time we're going to do an Easter egg hunt, you know, <laughs> like yeah, it's, right? it's always experimenting. We yeah. we're going to see what works and what doesn't. And uh, I think that's okay. By the way, the experimenting is never, never over. Nope. <laughs> you will always constantly be experimenting <laughs> right. and uh, just have to be flexible and have fun with it. That's the beautiful thing. It's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right do you guys have anything else for today i don't think no. so I think you guys it. got this yeah all right. 
good questions today. Thank you so much for listening to Project 24 YouTube podcast and have a great day. Project 24 is a product of Income School LLC. Results mentioned are not typical. The trademark Project 24 refers to the goal of some people to create a successful business in 24 months, but is not a promise or guarantee of that success. Many online businesses fail because, like any business, it requires hard work, skill, and dedication. Before making business decisions, consult financial and legal professionals licensed in your jurisdiction. So in short, the only person who can make your business successful is you. We are simply here to provide information to help you along the way.